It's your Locked On Flyers podcast for Monday, June 13th, your daily dose of Flyers news analysis and high quality content that is excited to get into all sorts of stuff with our friends over at Locked On Canadians today. It's nice having friends over. It is. Your Locked On Flyers, your daily podcast on the Philadelphia Flyers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, I am Rachel Donner. You can find me on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with Russ Cohen, who's on Twitter at Sportsology. Thanks for making Locked On Flyers your first listen every day. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Flyers. You'll keep up to date on all the Flyers news and our episodes. You can also email the show at lockdownflyers at gmail.com. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. We are going to be joining our friends from Locked On Canadians in a moment, but First, Locked On Flyers is free and available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe. You'll get all of our episodes here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And before we join Scott and Laura from Locked On Habs, there's been a little bit of news about the Flyers head coaching search. Frank Saravelli updated us that Barry Trotz and John Tortorella are definitely in round two consideration. Uh, we learned as well that perhaps Pete DeBoer is still in contention as well, but they have definitely made some cuts and people who are out of it have been notified as such. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think any of it's really a surprise. Uh, even DeBoer was probably just because the re- reporting wasn't exactly right. And now we got, you know, got it. So, because again, why would you put Pete DeBoer out of it? He's a smart guy. And yeah. why would you just hand him to Dallas? I mean, if Dallas isn't rushing to sign him, keep him in the mix. It's a smart thing to do. It, it really is. And so it, things are going, I think, pretty much as expected, right? That we all know that until Barry Trotz makes his decision, things are kind of up in the air for everybody that's looking for a coach right now and that the dominoes will will fall once that decision gets made. And uh, based on the fact that we don't have as much transparency from the Flyers on what they're doing, we just kind of got to sit here and wait and, and see what we find out as it goes. Yeah, you wait for the puffs of smoke. But I think, honestly, if Trotz were to make his decision uh, quickly within the next, I don't know, 48 hours or something, this whole second round gets burnt to the ground because teams are going to be scattering to get the next two or three guys. And so like that second round becomes, it changes. It does. All right. We are going to bring you the first part of our conversation with Scott and Laura from Locked On Canadians right now. All right, so what we thought would be fun was for our first episode together, kind of pick Russ's brain on some of the anecdotes and things like that that he learned when he was covering the Combine uh, that won't make it into our discussion of our players tomorrow, such as, you know, uh, Shane Wright, obviously, we'll be talking about Logan Cooley, we'll be talking about so many players tomorrow, but we wanted a place for Russ kind of to tell us a little bit about the stuff that doesn't fit in there. For example, I know that he got to interview 
uh, Jack Hughes and uh, learned a couple of things about his uh, his interview in, the, in in with Montreal in the combine and just cool stuff like that. So Russ, how was the combine and how much did you miss Scott because Scott couldn't make it there? I did miss Scott. Scott is <laughs> sat next to me probably for the last two combines. Uh, he eats a lot, but that's okay. Usually, I, I would throw him the extra food, so I think it worked out. You know, if there was an extra yogurt or something, he would eat it. Um, but <laughs> go ahead. That's good for me to know because I never finish anything. I was going to say, it's like the last time I went to the combine, I grabbed an extra cookie during lunch and Doug Armstrong just kind of stared right through me while I was doing it. So I went, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, I get it. I'm just some guy, but there's an extra M&M cookie here. So I'm going to take it. I don't care. Oh, M&M cookie? Say yeah. no more. Exactly. Right. I've got my, I've got all my other stuff on there. There was an extra M&M cookie. I'm going to take is- that risk. My reporting's accurate. Um, <laughs> but at any rate, I, I felt like this was an interesting one because players wanted to really talk to the media more than usual. Uh, they hadn't, you know, they've had all these interrupted seasons, these weird seasons, these seasons where they're doing all these Zoom calls. They were finally in person. They were getting the show off a little bit and then tell us about it. And so I feel like they really enjoyed it. Um, you know, with the uh, Jack Hughes thing, it was interesting because I felt like the the Canadians made too much of it. Like it was like, I kept hearing these little things about the meeting and basically, so, you know, at, at some point, you know, Kent was like, Hey, I see Jack's coming in. I'm going to excuse myself. And then Marty, um, not Marty LaPointe. Yeah. Marty LaPointe. I think it is. Yeah. Former player um, said, no, no, no. I want you to stay. And then they said, Jack, what do you want? And Jack was like, well, I prefer him not to be here. And then somebody, whether I don't know which person said it was like, well, it's not your decision. And I'm thinking, well, then why did you ask that kid? Like, it's just now you've made it doubly awkward and you should have just left it alone. I think if they had just left Kent in there and said, no, Kent, just sit down. It'll be okay." And everybody talks. It'd be fine. But I think they they added that extra layer of awkwardness that I think the Canadians tend to do with a lot of things. It's funny is that I know when Kent Hughes took over and they first started asking him, the first thing they asked him about is whether or not, hey, would you pick, you know, your son in this? And he went not first overall. And Jack took to Twitter when he saw that. Yeah, you're making a big mistake here. Like you said, it's fine, like to have that little bit of fun, but like, don't make it weird. You know, no one wants that. The combine's hard enough that you get done doing what an hour of physical testing and then you're in front of dozens of microphones and cameras for anywhere from 10 to 30 minutes afterwards like don't make it any more hard than it has to be you know most of these kids probably aren't having fun here anyways like it doesn't need to be more weird than it already is so then another uh fun one was with uh jimmy snuggerud whose dad dave played for the uh sabers and some other teams and this conversation i believe started when i think Someone asked about his dad and and somehow scars came into it. And he was like, well, you know, I've seen most of my dad's scars, but not one of them. And they were like, well, which one? And they were like, well, the one where I guess Patrick was skate blade cut like into his butt. And and that happened during a game. <laughs> and that was like, oh, OK, I don't remember that. It's an interesting moment. And I guess I can see why um, Jimmy, the son, didn't want to see that scar. <laughs> But he talked about it, and that lightened the mood. I thought, you know what? The, one of the things that, because um, you have a community on, on Twitter that people can join, 
One of the things that I thought was really fun was it felt a little bit like this year, much like you said, the players seemed willing to talk to the media, but they seemed a lot more relaxed and jokey and, you know, kind of trying to enjoy the moment a little more, which was so good to see because I think generally one of the criticisms that I have a lot of these players is that they're so well prepared for this, that they all give the same kind of answers. They all have the same cliches. They're all pretty stiff and and shy and, and, and very, very reserved in interviews. And I'm so glad that hockey's moving in a direction where you can kind of get a sense of their personality. Um, what else kind of stood out to you when you were covering the, the combine? It was a bit longer this time, wasn't it? Was it a few? Uh, no, it, it seemed to run about the same amount of time. I think, um, they always seem to run long at the end because you're trying to get that last group move through and they're always slogging through and the group beforehand um, always seems to be resting. So I think those last, I don't know, eight or so interviews, you have to, as a reporter, decide, is it worth waiting around for X, Y, or Z? And if you do, then you're just, you're waiting to the bitter end. And we did have to wait to almost the bitter end. Um, but not quite. An- another fun interview um, was Servak Petrovsky. He uh, plays for Owen Sound. Uh, when I asked him about Philly, you know, he said they were friendly. And see, so like, you know, for all the stuff that goes around about Philly, uh, maybe they're friendly. Like, that's, <laughs> that's what he said. That's not necessarily a Philadelphia fan uh, reputation that goes around. But it's nice to know, honestly. Um, I was wondering a little bit about, because obviously I've never been to one, mm-hmm. kind of how forthright the players are about who they've talked to or who talked to them, or if they give their own impressions of teams. Because I feel like sometimes they kind of hold back a little bit because they're a little bit worried about whether or not they get picked. But like, do, do they give you any insight on how the teams kind of operate, particularly in the in the sense of the Flyers or the, or, or the Canadians? Uh, uh, with the Flyers and Canadians... Uh, no, they did with the Leafs. With they were doing like some video stuff, and Joachim Kemmel did kind of let it slip that um, the Sharks asked him about his facial hair and things about you know, so like basically like you know, growing hair and all those kinds of weird things. So he did let that slip, and that was kind of funny. Uh, nothing came out though for those two teams in regard to that, but you know, like. Philip Mayshar, who um, really good player, a Slovak player. Uh, I've got him in my, you know, top. I think I've got him 20, 26. And, and I feel like he, he probably um, had an underrated season. He felt like his offense could have been better. But when I said, Hey, you know, who did you talk to? Who stood out? You know, he did say, I talked to blah, blah, blah amount of teams, but he did say that, you know, the coyotes interview was the best. Like, so sometimes they will give you that. Sometimes you have to play a, you know, a whack-a-mole game and ask them if they spoke to a team or teams, and then they sometimes tell you. So as an example, if you know a little bit about a guy, like there's a, a German player, Julian Lutz, who um, he only played 14 games this year. So, you know, when I'm up there and I'm asking who he spoke to, in my head – I'm thinking, all right, he's probably only speaking to teams that are winning teams right now that are very low in the first. And so I asked him about Florida and Tampa, and he hit, and he spoke to both. And and so, like, that was like, hey, in, in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is pay dirt for me because 
you know, a lot of times it probably seems like some of these teams were asking a random. Now, of course, if someone's covering just one team, they do that. But I was doing like a, a league wide thing. So I had to sort of guess for other teams. And he spoke to both of those teams. And the interesting thing is he said he enjoys watching those teams because they win. I like winning teams. And so it's like, you know what? I, I admire the kid for saying that because, and again, when a winning team can draft a player like this, and he's a center that's got a lot of ability, I've caught up on him finally because he didn't play a lot. Um, he only played 14 regular season games in the DEL, but he had played internationally. So I finally caught up with all that. And, and he's got some talent. And now this is a way for like Florida or Tampa, a very good team, to get a really good prospect even at the end of the round. So that's that's an interesting thing to me because, again, we're always thinking about the teams that aren't good. They should always get the best prospects. But even recently I did a, an assessment of the um, Tampa system, and you know what? It's pretty good. Um, Brad Lambert was an interesting one. You know, his, um, his uncle Lane is the Islanders coach, and – I had interviewed him when many weren't able to. I was lucky enough to. And this kid's got a load of talent, but nobody knows where this kid's going. Like, he originally was supposed to be in the top five a year ago, but then he hadn't really scored any points over the last year. He's been playing overseas, close to home. And it's like, well, he thinks he's doing the right thing because he's playing against older talent and it's going to pay off in the end. Well, Right now, on his resume, it's pretty blank. Other than, hey, you were great in the World Juniors, but after two games, that got canceled. But you were, like, the best player. That was a shame for him because I think, like, if that didn't happen, he still would have been top 10. Now it's all over the place for him. And so, like, a lot of teams will have a shot at him. Teams may even have a shot at him in the 20s. If he's a guy for, that somehow eludes the, you know, top 20, I think teams will be trading with other teams to – go up and grab him. I think the Islanders might take him at 13, but if they don't and he just keeps falling like an Angelo Esposito, I, someone is going to take a risk on him because of the immense offensive talent he has. So, you know, so that's an interesting one too, because he's a guy that has sort of taken a big fall. Do you know what's really interesting is that when you look at his ranking a different with different um, with different rankings, he's all over the place. But anybody like you, for example, who's in tune to the way these things work and the way these things work out has called him kind of like a sleeper a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. he's going to drop in ranking because and it's justified, right? Like you're looking at his stats and, and, and there are question marks, but it's really more the context than it is the ability of the player. So a team is really going to be able to like get him as a steal. All right, that was the first part of our conversation with Locked On Canadians about the combine and all sorts of things around it and how it's affecting both of our teams. We are going to get more into a couple of the draft prospects that we haven't talked about a ton because they're higher up, but we think they're possibilities for the Habs. Mm -hmm. We are going to talk about Logan Cooley and Shane Wright, but first we're going to hear about Athletic Greens. I want to take a moment to talk to you about Athletic Greens. I started using Athletic Greens because I wanted better gut health, more energy, optimized immune system, and hated taking pills and vitamins. And I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, Focus, all those things. 
It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's lifestyle-friendly whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Athletic Greens contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery. It also supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop of a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, before we get into some talk about Logan Cooley and Shane Wright, we have an important favor to ask you. Locked On has put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners just like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It won't take very long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of $1,000 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, that's LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey, and thanks for your help. So on Locked On Flyers, we have not talked a ton about Shane Wright because we assume that Perhaps the Montreal Canadiens will be picking them. So excited to get to talk to y'all about him a little bit, as well as Logan Cooley, who is another, I think, dark horse potential pick for the Canadiens, certainly looking to go in perhaps the top three, maybe will drop, but we'll see how that plays out in the draft. And we haven't talked about him on our show since December. So uh, let's get going. Uh, first off, what are the chances, do you think, for the Habs to actually pick him first overall? It seems pretty likely, to be honest. It seems like the, the Canadians, I think what happens at the at the beginning of every year is that like this guy gets picked as like the number one, right? And then it goes through that until almost the end of the year when people start asking questions sort of in the early spring and they're like, should this other guy go number one? Should this other guy go number one? And so what's kind of happened in Montreal is it seems to be like a two-horse race between him and Yuri Slavkovsky, which I know we're Slavkovsky, which I know we're going to talk about a little bit later in today's show. But I think, you know, if you look at the way the Canadians kind of need to structure their team, it looks like they would go for Shane Wright simply because he seems to be a reliable, good player, whereas the other players kind of come with a little bit higher risk maybe, but potential higher reward, but they can't afford to tank this pick. And so if they pick Shane Wright, it's fine. It's it's a lot safer. Uh, a lot of people want them to kind of go a little bit off the board. A lot of fans want them to grab uh, New Jersey's number two overall pick, which I don't know how they're going to do, um, and then get both Shane Wright and Slavkovsky because we can't just have nice things. We need to have all the nice things. All in the things. <laughs> uh, but I do know, and it seems, you know, from the reporting, and, and, and I'm sure Russ will agree having been there, from the reporting, it did seem that the Canadians did show interest, not just in Wright, but in Cooley, as well as Slavkovsky. And they talked to uh, all three players for extended periods, maybe not all over dinner, but they did show 
quite a bit of interest and have a lot of good conversation with those players. So we still aren't 100% sure, but it just seems like the kind of thing that the new management would do is pick Shane Wright. Yeah, and he, I know that we, we've had the back and forth, and Russ obviously is going to know a lot more about Shane Wright than I do. I, Laura and I have discussed the discourse around this in that don't Galaxy brain the first overall pick. There's a reason why Shane Wright has been the guy in that position for so long before, you know, anything else happened. Just do the smart thing. You need a center for the future behind Nick Suzuki right now. Don't don't be stupid with this, quite frankly. And I like Shane Wright. I like a lot of his game. I don't think he's Patrice Bergeron because no one besides Patrice Bergeron is Patrice Bergeron. I do think he's an incredibly smart hockey player that fits really well into the system that Martin St. Louis is, put, is building uh, with the Habs this season. And that that is reason enough for me to go, he's the guy. He's been the guy, and now he's the guy that's going to mesh with the new coach guy. Yeah, I, I would be hesitant. Uh, for the, I would tell the Habs fans, really, do you want to pick off the board after you've picked, like, Michael McCarron and Nikita Sherback? And, and, you know, like, is this really where you want to go? History tells you you shouldn't do that. Uh, Shane Wright's really good. Shane Wright had a great playoff. Shane Wright has a body that's ready for the NHL. He's got a brain that's ready for the NHL. But of course there was this, well, Hey, is he taking time off during games? No, he, when he has the puck, he does gather it and sort of relook at what's going on offensively. I've seen Adam Fox do it. I see a lot of guys do it. Panarin does it. And it's to, you know, gauge what's going on on the ice, what's breaking open, who you can get the puck to. And, and he does that. He does that well. He plays defense really well. The other things that, like, the media that was just parroting this dumb, I feel like it was a dumb narrative, was they didn't want to focus on some of the most important things about Shane Wright off the ice. And and I did talk to him about that, the way he mentors young players, the way he, even in practice, sets an example, the way he um, always is trying to get his linemates to be better and always thinking about in-game how to improve. These are important things that would help out Marty St. Louis, a new coach, and nobody's even talking about it. And, and it's a really big part of Shane. Shane is, is very mentally strong. At one point, he was just getting peppered like, hey, he's not Connor Bedard. And when I got an early interview with him months ago, I remember I brought up that to him that I said, hey, you haven't had a lot of highlight real goals. And he's like, look, he knew exactly where I was going with it. He goes, I don't care about that. I I score them when I score them. I get the points I need to. I do all that. I am not a flashy player. That's fine with me. And you know what? And that should be fine with with the Canadians. I think the Canadians were doing their due diligence, as they should. And you should always interview more than the first person who you think you're going to take is, just in case. Because what if you learn something that does change your mind? I also look at Kingston as a team that, like, Kingston still has some pieces, but isn't a top OHL team. It's Shane Wright doing, you know, what he can with the pieces around him. A team like Hamilton yeah. is a little bit older and loaded up. Like they're yeah. going to do things. Windsor's the same way. Shane Wright's doing the best he can with having missed a year. And Kingston, the way the CHL cycles through powerhouse teams and everything, you know, Kingston lost a year of that in developing guys like Zade Wisdom and, you know, Martin Chromiak along yeah. with him that's important to take into context that it's Shane Wright's show. It's he doesn't have the support system that some of these other guys do. The U S development program is loaded with talent. Of course, guys in there are going to look a little bit flashier when it's the Harlem Globetrotters every night. He doesn't have that. The new, the lack of nuance around 
people describing Shane Wright, it's, it's almost frustrating because I'm not a prospect expert by any means, but I can understand how, you know, things work and how when things aren't going or aren't built the same way for one player or the other, you're not, you're trying to read them all on the same level. And that's not what's happening here. Shane Wright's a phenomenal player. He's a smart player. And I think it's important that if you don't take into context, the other things around it, you're missing the point when it comes to analyzing him going into the draft. Yeah, I feel that way too. I think you're you're spot on with that. And then is you know if we switch to to Cooley, uh, Cooley's interesting because he has really rocketed up this year. Where everybody knew where Shane Wright was at. Shane Wright was basically playing against himself and his own reputation, and and John Tavares went through that, and others have gone through that too. Um, but and but with with Cooley, he uh, has a little more speed than Wright. He is a little flashier, but you know, like Scott said, does have the benefit of playing with some phenomenal teammates. He does have great hands, though, through traffic. Like, he's probably the best in that in this draft and works his edges great. He might be better at Shane Wright with edges, but speed-wise, they're both really close, like they are. Uh, I like his brain. He plays a great two-way game. He's That's coming to uh, focus the last year, but so does Wright. I mean, that's not a big deal. And... There could be a belief that, hey, you you know, like Shane Wright, you could see his body is already pretty built up and maybe just, you know, extra conditioning, get a little faster is what you have to do. But there's some real molding that can go on with Cooley. I think there's another 10, 15 pounds that he could add, and that really could add a lot more to his game. You know, maybe a little extra speed burst, a little strength in that traffic while he's able to get through. So, yeah, both both centers, Cooley works at it really hard. He's really good on faceoffs already. Like, I get it. You want to, you know, me, if if I am drafting in the top five, I would prefer a center over any other position simply because that's what's costing me the most on the, on the free agent market if I have to get one because I haven't been able to draft one. You do have Suzuki. And, and honestly, if you, you know, whether it's Wright or Cooley, Cooley would take a few years. So, hey, that would be, you know, money off the books that they don't have to worry about right away. They could wait a couple of years till they make a determination. And if they get right, Hey, you could start him off at 3C. Don't start him off at 2C. Don't do that to him. Start him off at 3C. Let him work his way up. Give him something. But don't put him on the fourth line because that's that's just silly, too. And I don't think St. Louis would do that. So, you know, there's a difference between the two players. But I, I, I think the Canadians will, will still go with the first. And they wanted to talk to Shane Wright first. They did talk to the others. But the point was they leaked out about a week before that they were talking to Shane Wright first, because you don't have to, just because he's the presumed number one. You could talk to anybody in any spot. The other thing with Cooley, and we when we talked about him on Lockdown Flyers, it was before the draft lottery. So, of course, we still had maybe some hopes that the Flyers would move up and have a chance at him, is that um, that exact point that Russ just made about him playing center and having a little bit more time and you could save the money and all of that. So that was a huge part of it. The other part of it, too, is that he's a Pittsburgh kid. And that would look a lot of like really fun stuff about having a kid who grew up as a Pens fan being like a future <laughs> star for the Flyers. Yeah, I mean, Crosby's but, his idol. Like he played yeah, as, you yeah. know, in Crosby's, on Crosby's league that he has. And, you know, so, yeah, that would be fun down the line for sure. You know what? It's not completely out of the realm of possibility until it is, right? Because we mm-hmm. still don't know what New Jersey's doing with their second overall. They're they're still shopping it if if reports are to believe. Then you don't know who's going to try and move up and all of that. So it's possible that either the Flyers can move up 
and Cooley will be available to them. Or some people will make off the board picks and Cooley will be available to them. Don't say it's over until it's over. <laughs> no, that's fair. There's always going to be off the board picks. Uh, yeah. I don't know if anybody's going to do that this year in the top five. Uh, although well, when we get into Slavkowski, we'll, we'll chat about that. But beyond that, it's a hope. That's it. You hope. All right. We thought it would be fun for Scott and Laura to join our Nemesis of the Week segment. So we are going to have that coming up next. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's Stanley Cup final, basketball championship finals, Major League Baseball scores, and of course, all the latest fighting news from MMA and UFC to boxing. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So on Locked On Flyers, every Monday, we look at the week that's upcoming and we say who or what in the world of the Flyers or of hockey is getting our goat, is making us angry. We want to shake our fist at the sky (laughs) about. And last week on our show, we talked about second round NHL draft FOMO because the Flyers do not have a second round pick in the draft and with it being as deep a draft as it is and the Flyers having such a high pick in the draft not having that second round pick is looking really upsetting right about now (laughs) and so uh, we talked a lot about that and could the Flyers trade down to get into the second round you know from their number five overall or could they trade a roster player and get that second round pick back and what that would look like? So uh, that was a huge bone of contention for us at Lockdown Flyers. And I think, you know, for us this week, it's really Barry Trotz making a decision for <laughs> where he's going to go as head coach. And because we know that that's where all the other dominoes will start falling after that. So we just need Barry Trotz to make a decision. I have a little additional one to add on that. Um, I'm really getting tired of this is of all sports, but especially the NHL of the referee getting the ex referee getting summoned on to explain like basically the rules that we know are inexplicable, like goaltender interference and uh, maybe interference in and of itself because that was in question yesterday and i'm just tired of hearing from these guys like i just (laughs) i kind of wish they'd just fire them all and just not even do that that part anymore i was gonna say it's wild to me is that like the nfl will call someone in to be like what did you see on this play and what's that rule and they will go this is what it is and that's it the amount that they continue to ask former referees who didn't get the calls right when they were there in the first place Exactly. exactly i don't care what tipio says about right. anything at this point one there's a reason why you were a former referee that in in addition to your on ice performance but like i don't want to hear from you about anything happening on the ice like i no no thank you please i'm done all right so what is the locked on canadians nemesis of the week well, well, the big one is because the Calder Cup playoffs are going on right now, and they played... Oh, Calder Cup, Cup playoffs? What are those? We didn't even have our <laughs> team get in the playoffs. Trust me, I've been there, and I wanted the same thing for, God, it's been almost eight years myself, and they played two relatively, you know, hard-fought but not contentious series against uh, Syracuse and against Rochester. 
uh, competitive, but nothing really crazy over the line. And then through five games so far against Springfield, the Thunderbirds have just decided, what if we just keep running into your goalie over and over and over again? And we're never going to be penalized for it. Since game number one, uh, public enemy number one has been Dakota Joshua of the St. Louis Thunder or Springfield Thunderbirds, the St. Louis Blues AHL affiliate. Former Leafs pick. Was he really? Yeah. They gave up on him. They just let him go. Well, he. I wish they hadn't because then maybe we wouldn't have to see him right now. Is that after every whistle, whether the puck is, whether he was involved in the play or not, he goes right up into Caden Primo. You might give him a smack with the stick afterwards. And it's, it, the officials have lost the entire control of this series. After game four, the Rocket won in overtime. As they celebrated, Joel Hoffer deciding, I want to get off the ice, speared someone with the end of his stick and ignited a full team on team fracas brawl whatever you want to call it and i nothing's come of it It, it's just across the board it's been a really ugly look for the ahl and both teams involved where the rocket aren't really doing anything wrong but they're always penalized for responding to it i just want just penalize the guy causing everything dakota yeah they do the same thing in the nhl it's always the after the fact which is you have to do that you have to stick up for your goalie yeah, it's like I get it. Alex Belzio is five foot ten, but you can't give him a double minor for roughing when the other guy started everything by again right. three seconds after the whistle, skating into the goalie and then accidentally on purpose falling on him. At a certain point, you got to go enough. And there's gamesmanship yeah. and there's everything else, but it's so petty and stupid, and it's made it like not enjoyable to watch because every whistle is something stupid, and it's always like the same three people. They are on my nemesis list going into uh, game six on Monday night. It's I can't wait to never see him again. Honestly, <laughs> it's, it's been a headache and a half. I thought the series would be way less, um, you know, Stupid. deliberately injurious. Yes. That too uh, would be way less deliberately injurious than it has turned out to be, because I feel like at this point, you know, you're in the Easter conference final and you're trying to make it to the Calder cup. And all of a sudden, like the stupidest things that weren't happening in like round one are happening now. Um, it's kind of blowing my mind. And because the Laval rocket have been through a couple of series now without these kinds of shenanigans, for the most part, I'm going to blame a hundred percent of it on the Springfield other roots. All right. Thanks once again to Scott and Laura for joining us on today's show. We're going to have more of our conversation with them on tomorrow's show, as well as all the latest in Flyers news, especially around that coaching search. As a reminder, we always want to hear from you. Send us in your mailbag questions via Twitter at Lockdown Flyers, or you can email us at LockdownFlyers at gmail.com. I'm Rachel. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. That's R-M-I-R-I-A-M. I'm Russ. I'm at Sportsology, S-P-O-R-T-S-O-L-O-G-Y. You made us your first listen today. Now make your next listen Locked on NHL. Locked on NHL covers the playoffs like no other. You can hear the latest news and opinions from all our local experts every Monday through Friday. And I'm on the Friday show, so take a listen. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Have a great day, everyone.